everybody. Welcome to Oh Shoot. Um, if you're listening to this, happy Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving was yesterday and guys, I am just, I love Thanksgiving. So this is just a really fun time of year and yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope everyone had a great day and a lots of good food. And if you didn't, honestly, it's okay because sometimes Thanksgiving food is just a little repetitive (laughs) and I know it's probably like a hot take, but, um, I know that I had a good Thanksgiving spent time with my family. Um, this year I made mac and cheese and I've literally never made food for my family's Thanksgiving before because I'm like 23. So for like the most part, I've always just shown up and food was ready for me. But this year I actually made something, which means that I am growing up. So it's always fun. It's always a good time. Um, I'm very excited to talk about today's Oh gosh, content, I guess I would say, but it's basically advice. Um, So this episode is an advice column and I put some things on my Instagram story. I also had you guys write in some submissions and you guys gave me some tea and we're going to talk about some of these situations and just how to deal with them and just going to offer you guys the best advice that I can. Um, I do want to give you guys a disclaimer that my opinion or my answers, they're not like the end all be all. Obviously, a lot of what we're going to talk about is just preference and just how I would handle things or how I would go about doing things. All right. So with that being said, we are going to get into this. Um, We've got some good stuff to talk about. And I tried to pick things that were like a good variation of everything. So we have like a few um, wedding things. We have like different posing things. So this is going to apply to everyone. It's not just going to be wedding photographers. All right. First up, how do I politely tell my customers that I'm the professional and the locations that they are wanting are not my style or fitting in terms of lighting? I gave in and shot senior pictures at locations my customer requested, and I wasn't in love with any of them. This made me feel like I was editing someone else's work because I would have never picked the locations they insisted on. I'm new to the business and I have trouble telling older clients, parentheses, her parents, that I know what I'm doing and they're paying me to get the best shots in my chosen style. So this is kind of a hard, like sticky, tricky situation because like at the end of the day, it is them paying you to take their photos. Um, So they have a specific location they want. Like I probably would just go to the location and just shoot there. If it doesn't fit my style, I probably wouldn't post about it, but I would still provide the service to them. But it is hard because if it's something that really just doesn't match your style, then it just, it just sucks. And When you mentioned that you weren't in love with any of the photos when you're editing them, like I can really relate to that. And sometimes that's just kind of how it goes when you're doing photography. Um, I do a lot of sessions and weddings. And sometimes when I sit down to edit, I'm like, oh, I I just don't like love these. Like I like them, but I'm not like in love with them. And honestly, that's okay. Um, I know that when I shoot, I 
give people the best quality photos that I'm capable of taking. So me seeing the photos and knowing that that was the best that I could do, you know, that's just, it is what it is. Like you tried your best and you did to the best of your ability, did what you could to deliver them the highest quality of photos. Um, You're not going to love every session. You're not going to love every wedding, but it is important to remember that you're serving your clients first and foremost, and they have maybe never had photos done before, or maybe they've never been married before, um, or they've never done senior photos before, whatever it is that they're booking with you. You are giving them a unique experience of booking a session with a photographer and those photos are going to be memorable to them, whether or not they're exactly how you would have wanted them, or if it's a little bit more along the lines of what they wanted. And honestly, I would rather be on the side of what they want, because I know that they're going to be happier with the result if that's the case. Um, It's not ever about me or do the photos build my portfolio or do they serve me in the way that I want the photos to serve me. It's going to first be about you serving your clients. Um, With all of that being said, uh, there are ways to help clients understand where you want them to shoot and where you prefer to shoot. So I send over a list of locations before they even book with me. And I tell them like, these are the places that I've shot at before that I really like and that I think would look really good for your session. If they want like a city session, send them locations that are in the city and maybe even include like example photos of what that location looks like. Um, So you're giving them like a plethora of options to choose from. And sometimes that works better than just being like, hey, do you, where do you want to do your shoe? And then they tell you like, oh, I want to do it at this ugly old bridge that's 50 minutes away or whatever. Like, I think you're going to get better results by offering them a location list. If they still insist on their location after you've sent them your list, that is, that is what is going to happen. And it is what it is. Like you just kind of have to shoot it. And, um, I don't, I don't personally think I would ever turn anyone away or tell them I wouldn't work with them just because of the location that they picked. Okay. I hope that that was helpful to you. Let's move on to the next one. I have a wedding client who decided to book pending a contract signing and was supposed to have filled out this information sheet prior to the meeting. Well, she filled out half of it and said she finished it soon, two months ago. She has since ghosted me for a month now, and I've tried multiple means of reaching out. Should I assume she decided not to book? Will I be in the wrong if it gets to next year and she claimed she books? She booked, sorry. And again, no contract was signed yet. So I'm going to be real with you. Someone doesn't sign a contract with you. Nothing is set in stone. I know sometimes like for myself, I get attached to inquiries. And when people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to book with you. I just have to get enough money to pay you. And then we'll sign the contract in like a couple months. To me, that's honestly like a red flag to begin with because they're not like prepared to book you, with, which means that things could change in you know, a couple months. So if it were me, I would say this person hasn't booked with you because they haven't signed your contract. And if next year comes and they are like, oh my gosh, why aren't you showing up to my wedding today? You tell them you'd never booked with me. Um, And I'm sure sooner or later, 
either they're going to respond to you and tell you what's going on, or they're just not going to respond to you at all. And they're just going to ghost you like literally straight up ghost you, which is, that's, it's actually so rude. Um, but I'm sorry that you are dealing with this because getting ghosted sucks. And I know like as photographers, we have to go out of our way to, you know, DM people and email them and, text them and just like we have to do all these different things just to get in touch with people but like at the end of the day if this person wanted to be in contact with you they would be in contact with you so I would assume that they're not interested in booking and that something happened that changed their mind and they're just gonna ghost you or maybe you'll hear back from them but it's just it is what it is and Again, I'm sorry that you're getting ghosted like this because that is not cool. So I told a bride I'd shoot her wedding for free in Cancun, just pay for travel. But now it's in Michigan. Do I still shoot for free minus travel or tell her she has to pay now? And how? <laughs> oh boy, when I was reading this, I I just instantly felt this very deeply. Um, you know, because you offer to shoot for free because it's in like a super cool location. They'd pay for you to travel there. It'd be like a free vacation. But then they switched the location and it's like, well, now I don't want to shoot for free because it's literally in Michigan and I charge people to shoot in Michigan. So because you charge people to shoot in Michigan, I would definitely charge them. Um, so don't shoot for free just because they swap the location tell them like maybe you offer them a little bit of a discount just because of the fact that it sucks that they had to switch their wedding location but like like literally you can tell them like I offered my services for free because it was going to build my portfolio for travel weddings and because now it's not a travel wedding all the terms have changed and um, I will actually charge you for your wedding so how to tell them is a tricky question. Honestly, if you can hop on a phone call with them, I think that might be the best thing to do just so you can, you know, accurately portray your tone and deliver it as kindly as possible. Um, if you want to email them, you can, but just make sure that you're thoroughly explaining why you're doing this. And like I was saying, I definitely would offer them a discount because you know, it just sucks that you do now have to charge them and it sucks for them because they had to switch their location, but just like very thoroughly explain your reasoning and offer them that discount of whatever it is that you're comfortable offering them. But bro, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with this. It sucks, honestly, that it got switched because I bet that you were like very excited to go to Cancun, man. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's move on to the next one. Um, so I'm graduating from engineering and I'm really tired of it, at least for now. I love photography and spend all of my free time shooting landscapes, wildlife, cars, etc. I really want to turn it into a source of income, but I don't know if I'm ready to make that jump. Not really like portraits, Oh, not really liking portraits um, also. So it makes it really hard to start getting clients and money. 
So I think there's this myth in photography where people think that they have to shoot weddings or they have to shoot portraits in order to make money from photography. And honestly, that's not the case because there is a niche for everyone and there's a client for everyone. Even if you do landscape photos, even if you do cars or nature, even if you take pictures of birds, like there is a market for that. Um, And I think really the way that you're going to turn it into a source of income is finding that market and finding the people that are willing to pay for those type of photos. Um, And I know this is a very extreme example, but something like National Geographic, like those people will be paying so much money for those photographers to get pictures of owls and pictures of, I don't even know, like sharks, like jumping out of the water. Like that, there's a market for that. And I think that no matter what type of photography you're doing, there's a way to make money from it. And at the end of the day, it all boils down to how do you market yourself and how are you selling yourself to your potential clients? So it does start with finding those potential clients. So what types of photography are you interested in? Let's say it is landscape. Let's say it's going and like shooting cool landscapes. What type of people are willing to pay for that? Maybe you put your photos in an art gallery. Maybe it's something like an Etsy shop where you offer prints. Um, Anything like that is going to be a source of income. So just finding different means of getting those people who are willing to pay. And once you really start to get paying clients from these different avenues, figure out which avenue um, is the most effective and really focus in on that. So if you're a nature photographer and you make the most money from people buying canvases of your landscapes, let's say it's at an art gallery or it's, yeah, let's say it's an art gallery. You really need to invest time and money into that because that's going to be your main source of income. And like any field in photography, like any niche, there's going to be time and money that you have to invest into it before you start to see profit come from it. So I would encourage you to invest that time and money into finding your ideal client and finding the niche that suits you best, finding the ways to make that income. And then just actually like spend time to curate your content specifically for those people who are willing to pay for it, if that makes sense. So um, I I know that was kind of like jumbled, but I do want you to know that you don't just have to shoot portraits to make money. Um, Sometimes it's easier if you do portraits because there's always people needing senior photos and engagement photos. So it's definitely a little bit easier of a market to get into, but something like nature photography or wildlife, all of that is a great field to be in as well because I think it's honestly a little bit more niche and I think there's less people in that industry. So I think it would be a cooler opportunity almost to grow within that specific niche. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. (laughs) This person just said editing in all caps. Um, I stick to the same few presets and tweak them as needed for all of my edits, but I still feel like my feed isn't as consistent as I want. Are there other ways to stay consistent in your feed specifically on Instagram? Thank you for your time and answering questions. You're amazing. And I love your podcast. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Um, so when it comes to your feed, I personally just use a feed planning app. Um, that's 
the best way to get consistency within your feed because you can lay out your grid and see exactly how things work with each other. So that's going to be my best answer for you is to use a feed planning app. I use um, a website called Later and then they have an app. It's also called Later. Um, So you can just see what your grid is going to look like. Um, So what I'll do is I will dump, I would say like maybe 20 of my favorite photos from each session into Later and then arrange photos how I like them and then post them from there. Um, Consistency does start with editing for sure. Um, So using one or two consistent presets, it's very important for getting consistency. Even if that's you tweaking a preset and making it your own, that's still a preset that you're going to use all the time. And so you need a consistent preset to just make your edits all look the same. I know a lot of people who struggle with consistency. They're like, why don't my photos all look the same? Um, What am I doing wrong? And they don't start with a base preset. They start by just editing the photo on how they want that one specific photo to look. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you do want consistency, you're going to need some sort of consistent settings within Lightroom in order to make that happen. Consistency doesn't just come from eyeballing it. It it comes from constantly using similar edits on all of your photos. Um, It also helps to have consistent lighting and locations within your photos. So if that's shooting at golden hour, if that's shooting during like a cloudy day, um, also specific locations that are going to help you get consistency are like the woods or um, a really green grass field, or maybe that's the beach or some mountain top or whatever. Um, all of those different locations are going to help you get consistency. So if you're shooting in the woods, it might also be a good idea to shoot at grass fields, but maybe not the best idea to shoot in someplace really brown because you're going to lose a lot of the green that you get from the other two locations. So think about that when it comes to consistency as well. Um, There's a lot that goes into it, but starting with a good base preset, consistently using that preset across all of your photos, and then consistently shooting at the same time of day, similar lighting scenarios, and similar locations, that's all going to help with consistency within your work. All right, next up, um, somebody asked, what's the easiest way to book instead of texting back and forth? about available dates. Um, So the first thing that popped into my head when I read this question was HoneyBook, which is a client management software that I use for managing all my clients, all of my projects. Um, This honestly, like I truthfully use this and it's truthfully amazing. So I'm not just like telling you guys this just to tell you, like it's actually a really good software to use to keep track of all your clients. Um, and they have a scheduling link that you can send to your clients that is linked to your Google calendar and also to your HoneyBook calendar. So essentially you send someone this link and say, choose any time that works best for you to schedule your session. And it already has all of your schedule in there. So it's not going to let people book if you have a family dinner and the family dinners in your calendar. Um, so I would recommend getting some sort of scheduling link. Um, I know there's other free services that allow you to do scheduling 
links as well. Um, but I personally just really like the scheduling link because it eliminates that back and forth of like, hey, when are you free? When are you not free? Um, and you can also in the scheduling link, you can like make the option to block out certain times that are unavailable. So if you prefer to only shoot at golden hour, you can make engagement sessions only available to be booked from like 5.30 to 8 p.m. or something like that. So it's very specific. You can tailor it to exactly what you need. Um, I do have a 50% off HoneyBook link and I will link that in the description for you guys. Okay, next up. How can I respectfully decline shooting someone's wedding? I've gotten inquiries from clients before whose wedding style just doesn't vibe with my style. Shooting small COVID weddings has made me realize how much I love shooting small and intimate weddings that focus on love between the two. Not crazy huge weddings that prioritize the guests. I want to aim myself more into shooting smaller weddings and elopements, but I feel that I haven't found the perfect way to, to decline someone's wedding inquiry when I simply don't want to put my time into shooting a wedding that I won't love and enjoy. I hope that makes sense. Hopefully other photographers have the same issue and it's not just me. Thank you. Love your podcasts. So I, I think a lot of people struggle with saying no to people and how to respectfully say, I don't think we're a good fit. One of the best things that you can do straight up is say like, obviously start with the compliment sandwich. And if you don't know what the compliment sandwich is, I don't even know where I heard this, but it's it's literally just like compliment someone, tell them the truth and end with a compliment. And it, after you do the compliment sandwich, you don't even feel like they're saying anything like negative to you because of this compliment sandwich that's going on. So start with complimenting them. Say something like, hey, thanks for reaching out. Your wedding sounds amazing. It sounds beautiful. Sounds like it's going to be a great time for filled with love and excitement. Okay. There's the compliment. Then put in the truth. Tell them, although I would love to shoot your wedding, I'm starting to shift my business to elopements and smaller intimate weddings. So I don't think I would be a great fit for your day. Then compliment them by saying, I'm still going to offer you value and I'm going to refer you to someone who might be a better fit for you. So then say, I think that these photographers would be a great fit for you. They love shooting larger weddings at venues like yours. Here are a few of my favorite photographers in the area who might have your day available. And then list those people out and tell like give them actual links to people's websites and make sure they're actually reputable good people to work with um but honestly that is how I would tell people that I'm just not a good fit for them and I don't think there's anything wrong with telling people you're not a good fit you only have one wedding like one day to shoot a wedding of <laughs> in a year what am I trying to say I'm trying to say that like your schedule is so very limited and if someone's looking to book you on June 12 and it's just not a wedding that you think would vibe well and it's like a Saturday and it's in June so it's going to be really popular I can almost guarantee that you're going to have someone else come to you that will have some sort of wedding that's a better fit for what you're looking to shoot so definitely use the compliment sandwich 
And I think it's awesome that you're able to know what you like to shoot and what you don't like to shoot. A lot of the times in photography, people just feel like they need to take any wedding that they can and just anything that comes their way because, you know, money is money and a shoot is a shoot and I'm getting paid. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Like money is money and you need money to survive. But also I do photography because I love what I do. And if I don't love big weddings, I'm not going to keep booking them. Um, I do personally love big weddings, but if, if this is you and you don't love big weddings, then don't book them. And also another way to just avoid people who have big weddings and avoid getting them to reach out to you is by very carefully curating your website and all of your content and your marketing to be elopement specific and even like very specifically indicate that in your Instagram bio in um, multiple pages on your website, like right away, say that you're an elopement photographer. And I definitely think, think that that is going to help people get the message that you're not really in to big weddings anymore. Okay, so I hired a second photographer for a wedding based off of her Instagram. We had never worked together before, but I briefly met her at a workshop earlier this year. It seemed like she knew how to work a camera based off of her feed, and I truly trusted her. When I got home to look at the photos, they were all way overexposed. She changed her settings constantly in the same lighting scenarios, and she bumped her ISO to 32,000. You read that right, 32,000 for ceremony photos, and I literally cannot use any of them. Even the reception photos with the flash, I cannot use. I paid her a lot of money because she was traveling three hours to the wedding location, and it was a hard date for me to find a second. But I am literally using only her photos of the guys at the beginning of the day because her settings and the composition are so off. Um, Sorry, this is so long, but I'm kind of upset and wondering if I should mention it to her, I don't know, but I want to be respectful. Wow. 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 Lots, lots of emotions flowing through me, flowing through me right now. Um, first I got to say, man, that sucks. Like I feel horrible that the photos didn't turn out great. And you know, it's hard when you find a second photographer and you've never worked with them before. You've never met them. Um, and their work looks like it's good, but like it's, it's hard to truly know how people shoot just based off of their Instagram because Instagram, you're going to show all of your best work. Um, and you're not going to show any scenario where your settings were crappy or it just looks bad. So you're not going to show any of that on your Instagram. Your Instagram is always going to be your highlight reel. So it's hard to hire someone based off of a highlight reel because there's so much, more to a wedding day than just the highlighted portions of it. You know, there's the ceremony, there's moments before the ceremony where they're, you know, everyone's shoved in a dark little room and, but there's still good opportunities for candidates during that. So there's a lot of opportunities for photos on a wedding day besides the highlight reel. So it's hard to hire someone based off of that. I cannot believe that this person's ISO was at 32,000. Um, honestly, I just think that you need to do um, some sort of different process of finding your second shooters. Um, And it's not bad to find a second shooter on Instagram, but maybe send them some sort of questionnaire or do a phone call with them and ask them questions like, what's the highest ISO that you would 
go to on a wedding day. Like straight up, just ask them that. Um, straight up, ask them like, what lenses do you shoot on? Um, just so you can know exactly how they shoot. Um, this actually has happened to me before where I had someone shoot at a very, very, very high aperture number for me. And that's just not my style. So I wish that I would have um, done some sort of questionnaire before and asked them like, what aperture do you usually shoot on? Um, just because like, I don't shoot on like F 15. Um, so I think you can do a little bit better of job and you probably already are going to do this now (laughs) after having this experience, um, of just making sure that the person's legitimate and that they know what they're doing. Um, if you want to hire someone that maybe isn't as experienced and doesn't know as much, maybe hire them as like an assistant for the day. Um, but don't rely on them for the photos that you need because you could definitely compromise just different areas of the day. If you're relying on someone that doesn't know their camera settings, like in this scenario. Um, so you did ask if you should mention it to her. Um, and to be honest, I probably would, Um, And I would do this in a very respectful way. I would just text them and or like, I don't know, send them a voice memo or call them and just say like, it was great working with you. I just want you to know for the future that your ISO was really high during the ceremony and I actually wasn't able to use a lot of your photos. Um, So like it was great working with you. You're like such a fun person to be with. I just want you to know this so that in the future you can improve and be a better second photographer for other people. Something like that. Um, I think if I were the, the person who shot for you and you didn't use any of the photos and you didn't tell me, I think I would be a little upset and I think I would want you to tell me just for constructive purposes. Um, Cause at the end of the day, photography is a skill and, Like if this person's not doing the skill well, you should tell them so that they can get better and improve. Okay. (laughs) Wow. That is a lot. Um, Okay. So hi. So I shoot with the Canon 60 Mark II. I'm using a Roke. I think it's called Rokinen. (laughs) Rokinen. I've never actually said that word out loud. So it's spelled R-O-K-I-N-O-N. I'm using a Rokinen 35 millimeter lens. One of my shoots are of kids and I can't seem to capture them clearly when they jump or run or run around. It's always blurry. I've tried to study shutter speed. I'm wondering if it's because I have the manual lens. I feel like I am having the same problem with my Canon 50 millimeter on autofocus and still can't freeze movement. Okay. So I feel like I would need to see a photo example to know exactly what the issue is. But if people are blurry, but it's when they run or jump, it's probably going to be because of shutter speed. So I actually just did my free manual camera settings workshop a couple weeks ago. Um, That whole video is available in my Facebook group. So if you want to join that, it's in the description, the link. Um, but shutter speed essentially is how fast your camera is taking a picture. So the higher your shutter speed number, the faster 
your camera is going to take the photos. Therefore, it's going to freeze motion better. So first thing I'm going to tell you is to have a higher shutter speed. Second thing is I would look into your focus mode and I would also look into your aperture. Sometimes with aperture, if you shoot at too low of an aperture, so like f1.8 or like 1.4, you get other areas of the photo that are blurry, which is the point of having a lower aperture. But if you have multiple kids um, and they're not on like the same plane and like some people are a little bit further away and some people are closer, you're going to get some people who are blurry. So I would recommend having your aperture a little bit higher, maybe try f2.5 or 2.8 for shots with like multiple kids. Um, Another thing I would look into is your focal, not focal method, your focus method. So how are you focusing on your subjects? In here it said that you use autofocus, um, but I'm wondering if you're just using the autofocus that lets your camera detect wherever it wants to catch focus. Um, Sometimes with autofocus, if you just let the camera have full control over where it focuses, it just chooses random parts of the the photo to focus on. So like a shoe or like, I don't know, someone's belt or something weird. Um, So I use autofocus, but I do manual spot focus within autofocus. So essentially I put a little box over my subject's face and I tell the camera to focus on this specific area. So autofocus within this specific area. So that also can help with um, getting blurry images. Um, I'm sorry that you're dealing with this, but definitely do more research on those specific settings. Okay. So we recently booked a couple for their wedding. There was something that felt not right during the communication process prior to them booking. Like we just didn't mesh, you know, but they really wanted to book. So they did. We just did their engagement session and I sent them 250 photos like 48 hours later. Okay. Let me pause and just say, wow, like that is a lot of photos in 48 hours. Good for you. Okay. Then she sends me an email being so incredibly picky about some of the photos. Also knowing and acknowledging that my mom is dying in the hospital right now. And she acknowledging that the email wasn't urgent, just wanted me to be aware of the flyaway hairs, et cetera, at her wedding a year from now. Literally so rude. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. At this point, plus the fact that we did not have a good time with them at the session and some other things, we told them that we would love for them to find a photo video team that better fits, better suits their needs and will even refund their retainer. Thankfully, they took that offer, but also said that they wanted their engagement session partially refunded Uh, in parentheses lol absolutely not I have never ever ever had clients act like this before I really want to avoid this in the future have you ever had a couple that you just know in your gut isn't the right fit for you how do you tell them that you're unavailable for their day after doing a whole consult with them Um, it's really important to me to be loving toward every couple that reaches out to us, even if we aren't the right fit for them. Wow. Um, this has never happened to me. Um, but after just reading through this, there are very obvious red flags. I think the main one would be the fact that they wanted you to acknowledge the flyaway hairs for their wedding, which is in a year. Um, it might be just like the fact that you delivered their engagement photos to them 
And that just reminded them that they wanted to tell you about their flyaway hairs at their wedding. But it just, yeah, I think there's other just weird vibes happening. Um, I probably would have done the same thing and been like, hey, I don't think that we're a good fit. Um, you know, obviously I'm happy to refund you for your retainer for the wedding. I definitely wouldn't refund for the engagement session because you fulfilled that portion of your contract. You gave them all the images you promised it promised. And that's that. Um, so how to avoid this is just like really do digging on your couples when you're in the like pre-booking process and not digging, like stalking them on Instagram or anything, but like just dig into questions with them. Like ask them about like, I don't know, like, do you care about some of these small things like flyaway hairs and stuff? Or maybe like tell them like, I want you to know that I don't do retouching. Like I do minor retouch retouching, but I don't do um, a ton of crazy like super labor intensive retouching. Um, that might be a good thing to mention in your pre-booking process. Um, if you do a consult with someone and then realize that they're not a good fit for you, you can tell them like, Hey, just after chatting with you and after really thinking about it, I don't think that we'd be a good fit straight up. Like the reason that you're doing a consult with them is not just for them to figure out if you're a good fit, but for you to figure out if they're a good fit too. It's a two way thing. Like photography is not just like you show up, shoot the day and give them their photos. You have to interact with them like all day and you have to, you really do have to vibe with your couples. So, um, I, I'm sorry that this is happening. This it's a lot. Um, but I think just weeding out the people who might not be a good, good fit for you before they even reach out. Um, that's going to help you too. So like I was saying, putting things on your website that really just clearly paint the picture of what you do and how you do it. But then in your contract, really diving deep into what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate. I know in my contract, I don't allow for retouching. Like I say, like that I do soft retouching. And then if they have super intense retouches, they want me to do, I have like a retouching rate. Um, so that's all things that I think you could include in your contract just to protect you better from a situation like that. Okay. So this last question, um, been a second shooter for a wedding or two now being asked to quote on small weddings for clients. Do I tell them it's my first solo wedding? How do I market and quote being a first timer? Do I go with a rate below going rates for a seasoned photographer? So honestly, I would charge whatever you think shooting a wedding is worth to you. Um, so what is enough money to make it worth your time? Um, and factor in all things like editing, um, just the, the communication of going back and forth with your client and factor in the shoot time, obviously. Um, if I were you and like, if you want to get into weddings, um, I would definitely quote them something less than what a seasoned photographer would because, you know, those other photographers have shot weddings before. Um, and because you've been a second shooter, but you've never done one solo, um, I would just quote them less, but I don't think I would tell them that 
it's your solo for solo wedding because you've been a second shooter. You know how weddings work. It's not like you've never shot a wedding before, period. Um, I think if you have any experience within the wedding industry, you don't have to disclose disclose I think is the word you don't have to disclose that um to them if you don't want to just um you know give them the quote and show them your work and if you're confident in the fact that you can do it then do it um if you are not super confident then I would probably tell them like it is my first wedding I um I have experience but I just wanted you to know um that would be if you want to be very open and honest with your communication with them, um, you can definitely tell them too that it's your first solo wedding. I honestly, from my experience, people don't have a hard time booking someone that's their first wedding. Like there's a client for everyone. And if you are getting into weddings, there are clients that are willing to book someone who doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, so don't feel like people aren't going to book you because I think that they will. Um, like I was saying, just quote them whatever is worth your time. Um, you don't have to quote a ton, but you don't have to do it for free either. Um, just whatever you feel comfortable with. I think that's the most important thing is like if you're comfortable with the price, then that's what you should quote them at. And you don't have to compare your prices to other people because um, it's just between you and the client at that point, you know. Okay, that concludes my advice column episode. Thank you everyone so much for submitting your questions. I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love for you to leave me a five-star review and just let me know how you're loving the podcast. Make sure you follow me on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Not Facebook, I'm so sorry. On Instagram and TikTok because that's where I post lots of educational content for you guys. Um, and thank you so much again for listening to the podcast. Your support means everything to me. And I'll see you guys next week. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment or keep my sanity. No wisdom rushing in. So much clearer Stop my